0: Hello all, it's time again for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. First and foremost, I want to say that uh, it was a beautiful weekend we just had, and uh, it's the first time that I had actually been out here this year at Willowbrook Park uh, helping some of the folks out. Uh, we have a local Facebook group, and some of the people, you know, they, they leave us messages saying that they need help with this and that, and I thought it would be a good idea if I went down there and, um, just set out some time for people to come over we'll help them out with their bows um, help them out with some form form issues they may have we we go so far as that I keep a full set of tools with me and also I even have a bow press in my car and we try to do that like once or twice a a month if we can I'm usually at that field myself or with some some of my students uh, at least You know every weekend if not you know every saturday and sunday for a good period of time and especially now with this whole COVID 19 lockdown thing it's like everyone wants to get out they want to get into the fresh air and that's a great thing you know as long as you're being socially responsible with the whole with the whole stuff um but having seen everything that we were doing down there this weekend it did bring me to the topic for this podcast and the topic for this one is going to be learning to work on your own equipment. Now, I've covered this in the past on a couple of different episodes, um, little bits and pieces here and there. But education, when it comes to anything related to archery in particular, is kind of specific. And we all know that there's a lot of information out there. And we've kind of gone you know, from a spectrum of, back in the late you know mid to to late 80s up until now back then there was no YouTube you couldn't you know basically you read what you read out of a magazine and there weren't too many tutorials in there on how to do different things so either you knew somebody had to shop and you hung around there and you learned learned a craft of how to do it almost like an apprentice to someone um, or you learn from a friend who knew how to do it but it was kind of specific it's like you know if you didn't know somebody, you kind of stuck. Take it to a shop, let them work on it for you. But you didn't see as many people back then who did their own work on their bows, didn't, you know, knew how to tune, that sort of thing. It was mostly left, that sort of thing was more common among us who were shooting regularly tournaments. We had no choice but to learn how to work on our own stuff. And from a young age, I was taught how to work on my own bows, how to build my own strings, that sort of thing. Today's day and age, You have a wealth of information out there. YouTube, in particular, and various forums that you see, although I have pointed out in the past, forums can be a good and a bad thing um, because they can discourage someone who's just getting into it. Um, They can provide a lot of bad information because there's no one checking references saying, well, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He's giving dangerous information. That's the thing with forums. YouTube is pretty much the same thing. But in YouTube, you have exposure to people who've been in the industry for a very long time who are experts at this. Um, John Dudley's one. He, he puts out videos out there that show you how to do everything, how to set up your bow. Um, and he's been doing that. He was one of the first pioneers ever to do that. And he had a fight to get you know a segment for that on his original hunting shows. And that developed into the Knock On channel that he has right now. So that being said... You know, you, you, have to, um, you have to look at it from a point of view that the information is out there. The problem that people have is determining, how, you know, what's correct and what's not. And as I pointed out before, there are a couple of videos that were put out there a long time ago that are so wrong that I consider them almost criminal. A guy telling you, oh yeah, you can change a string on your bow. Just shove a screwdriver through the cam. It'll hold the bow back and hold the cam in place. Slack out the string and you can just change it. I don't know how many people I've seen do that related to that one video. And yes, I'm trying not to get hot over this one, but they did. And completely wrecked their bows or wrecked their cams. Or even worse, they try to do it. And besides bending the cams, something horrible happened when they pulled out that pin they were working with someone who didn't know what they were doing. They said, here, just pull out the screwdriver when I get to full draw. I saw one where the guy pulled it out and it wasn't all the way on. He let down and that screwdriver ripped the limbs apart. And that was catastrophic failure. You could really get hurt by something like that. But the, the thing is, you know, you have to be careful where you're getting your info from. So... How do we determine what's the best way to do this? Well, I go back to the example I had this weekend when I was over there. Um, I had some people, very inexperienced, come to me and say, you know, and sometimes they're, they're a little shy to approach you. And this one, this one uh, gentleman came over. He's like, you know, someone told me about you. And I was wondering if there's something wrong with my strings. Now, this is, again, the extremes that that you go through that you see. Okay, now I've been doing this for a very, very long time. And every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded how old I am and how much of this I've actually seen. Um, but in this case, it was the opposite. He had his strings from a bow that he bought about two years ago, and he wanted to know if his strings were worn out or not. Because he was like, you know, I know I gotta replace the strings. So he had messaged me on Facebook about it. I said, sure, you know, when I'm there, bring it over to me. He brings it over, and I take a look at it. And his strings look practically new. I was expecting to see strings that were frayed, had, you know, had a couple of threads on them popped, the serving coming apart. No, he, he had diligently take you know taken care of this bow and his setup. But he was worried that the strings weren't going to last him to the end of turkey season, which ends at the end of this month. So I looked at him, and I said, look, Don't worry about it. Your strings are in a 100 times better shape than most people I've ever seen come into my shop. So there's nothing to worry about there. But at the same time, if you read forums, you look at different uh, YouTube videos, it can make people over paranoid that something is wrong. So that's one thing that can happen. Again, what do you use as a baseline to determine what's right, what's correct? How do you even know the person is is right when they're given all this information and like i said i have seen a lot of videos out there that are downright terrible okay people all you have to do as an example is go on youtube and search for how to tie in a peep site i will tell you about 92 percent of what you see come up in your searches are completely completely wrong so you might ask well what makes it wrong you know, why would tying in a simple peep site be wrong? Well, pretty simple. Um, when you when you look at how some people tie them, some people tie it in such a fashion where, oh yeah, it's never going to move. Okay, it looks like Spider-Man type, tied that thing in there. And if you ever had to make a change, there's a pretty good chance if you don't know what you're doing, or even if you do, because I've seen shop techs do this all the time, in the process of trying to remove that 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 web of stuff that you tied on there, so complicated, they'll cut the string fibers. Very bad to begin with. Also, what people don't understand is the way that you tie a peep in affects the rotation of the string. So if you tie it in the wrong way, that string can rotate on you at full draw. It means the peep comes out of alignment. And a lot of times people go and they blame the string maker for the problem. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not that. And you can blame string makers for a lot of different things because there are great string makers out there and there are bad ones out there. But the string is one, i say 60% of, of how a bow performs is in the string build itself. But another 40% is what that tech does with the string, how he serves in the peep. Does he change the center serving? Does the knock fit correct? and all of that for some reason gets blamed on the string maker and it has nothing to do with them it's a lack of information and knowledge on how to work on it how to set something properly so like i said go look up how to tie a peep sight thousand different ways to do it and there's a, i will tell you right now there are a lot of correct ways to do it now there are some that if you're if you're like me and you've been shooting for 35 40 years yeah it's that long Um, if you've been shooting for that long and you already know what your settings are, then you know that if I set my peep at, on a, on a 40 inch bow, my peeps at five and a quarter from the middle of the arrow shaft all the way up to to the middle of the string. I know I can set it in there and I'm never going to have to move it or adjust it unless I'm going from, you know, shooting field to shooting indoor. I never have to change it. Yeah, and the going, the different peep heights and heights, that's we'll get into later. But again, I know my settings. I know I can lock that sucker in there and never have to worry about having to pull it out. But if you're newer to this and you're still developing your form, you're, you're learning how, how to shoot properly, knowing that you shouldn't be cocking your, your head all the way forward when you're looking because you're not going to get an accurate view through that peep and repeatable each and every single time. Well then, you gotta have a way to adjust it if you needed to. If you do it with one of these complicated ties in there, if you did it correctly in the first place, which is another story of how you actually perform it, um, you're probably gonna run into a problem and you don't want to wind up cutting your string because now you've got a bigger problem. And let's just say you had your bow tuned and shooting perfectly, you just had to adjust the peep sight. You cut the string, Guess what? You're starting all over because very few people actually record the settings on their bows after they set them up. Perfect. So, th- so that so that's that that's a that's a problem, you know. Um, the other thing that happens is, you know, you don't know how to do it. Two watching it from a video, even though you can replay it a thousand times, the angles they show, I mean. <sighs> I've seen people trying to tie a constrictor knot, and if you don't know what it is, you can look it up, because there's a thousand ways that you'll see videos of how to tie a constrictor knot, but I see people trying to tie a constrictor knot, and I'm like, you're leaving something out when you cross through, and they don't get it, because on the videos they've been watching, the angles that they show, don't show that. One credit to John Dudley that he does very well is that if he's tying a knot on something, he has the camera angle right on top of him. You're not missing anything. But he also ties very simple knots to keep it simple to do, not complicated. And there's that's the reason. You know, he wants to demonstrate it, and he also wants to keep it simple. You always keep things simple if you can. So that's... That's what I'm talking about, you know. There's only so much you can learn, if even the video is correct, from say a a YouTube video. Even less that you can learn from just screenshots of something. So what do you do then, you know? Do you, the one thing I've always believed and have always taught to all of my students, all the girls that I teach know one thing, and that is that from the day that you start with me learning, You're learning how to shoot, but part of your education is also going to be learning how to work on your own equipment, because if it's the day when coach is not there and something happens to your bow, you have to be able to fix it on your own. And that's very, very important. But like I said, this is the importance of education and how it works out. You want to be as capable with your own equipment as possible. Now, with archery, equipment is very specific. So if you are going to a pro shop every single time and I am not knocking pro shops by any any means because I run my shop, people come to me, get stuff adjusted, set up the whole time. Some people don't have time to learn how to do this on their own and that's completely fine with me. But they have the confidence knowing that when they bring it to me, it's going to get set up correctly and they don't have to worry about it. But let's just say you... You 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 have the time, but you're the type of person who goes to a pro shop to get any little thing done. Oh, my peep needs to be retied in. I'm going to go to the pro shop and let them do that. Okay, fine. What's wrong with that? Practically nothing. Providing two things apply. One, that the person who's doing the work knows what they're doing, which a sad state of today is that you get a lot of people working in shops who don't know what they're doing. And that's no jab at anyone in particular, though I have a couple of ideas that I won't spill on this podcast, but ask me, ask me anytime and I'll throw them right at you as to who does not do quality work because I've seen too much of it. And two, if the person does know what they're doing and you go back multiple times, are you always going to get the same person? Because someone, a different technician may look at it and say, oh, this, I I don't do it like this. I do it like this. And if what they do affects the performance or is done incorrectly, you're back to square one. So there is a lot of credence to learning the value of working on your own stuff. So now you're gonna say, well, you're saying I can't trust a video. I can't, I can't you know, rely on going to a shop all the time. And it's true because if you go to a shop all the time, you have no, you know, you have no way of working on your own stuff. Then, especially if you're a hunter, and this is when I stress this more than anything else. If you are a hunter and you're spending a lot of money going on a trip into the middle of nowhere, okay? Something happens to that bow. Your $15,000 or $20,000 trip, yes, folks, for those of you who don't know about hunting, some trips can go as high as that. Some can go skyrocketed way past that. I'm not going to get into it, but they can. You're out there in the middle of the woods in a two-day pack-in, three-day pack-in, and your bowstring goes, or the peep comes undone, and now it's moving. You just took your opportunity at game, which is hard to begin with, if you even get that one shot, and now either completely set it to zero because you don't have the equipment to, to, to go on the hunt now, or say if your peep came undone or something happened to it, Now, you just took your percentage of getting a successful harvest on there down to almost zero because your equipment is not functioning at its full potential. And if the peep was reset in there a quarter inch below where it should have been, you're going to wind up shooting really low or you're going to wind up shooting really high. Either way, you're not going to hit your mark. So that's the kind of problem I'm talking about. Also, if you're in the competitive Area of things like all the all the students I train, and they go to a tournament. They don't always go with me. Major tournaments, I go with them. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. But there are smaller tournaments they go to. Coach can't be in twelve different places at one time. And they, if they have an issue come up, they need the serving. Say the center serving is a perfect example, and this happens about. Couple times a year, where from normal shooting, especially if it's some of my my newer girls who their form is just not there yet, so they're still wearing an arm guard and a lot, a lot of times they're hitting that arm guard. I tell them to inspect their equipment before they go to the tournament, a couple of days before this way they know they can come to me if something's up. But sometimes they go over there and just as they're shooting their practice rounds or something like that, and all of a sudden they look at their center serving and it's it's broken. It's coming undone. Hit the arm guard one too many times. Now it's starting to undo. Now there's ways to fix that. All of my girls have, you know, serving tools with them and, you know, you get a certain amount of time to to work on your bow and they'll redo their serving. They know exactly where their knock set's supposed to be. They know how to tie on knock sets. They're good to go. But if you're the type of person who doesn't know how to do that, and it's a small tournament like if you go to a major tournament like like lancaster or something like that they actually have the lancaster archery truck there who the guys can help you out with it they're not going to be able to get it exactly to the same place unless you know exactly what's supposed to be there but they can change the center server and you can do the rest but in a small tournament you can't do that so what happens are you gonna be out and now you can't do anything you're gonna give up my girl's put too much time and too much effort into training to do that. That's why they've learned how to do everything on their own. And barring a catastrophic failure, they're good to go. And even when there is a catastrophic failure on their bows, um, some of them who are in really, really serious tournaments, where and to most of them, every tournament is serious, they have a backup bow. You know, They can go and they can use. So that's what I'm talking about. You need to be able to work on your own stuff. So now let's just get started with, where do you start? Like everything else, you have to start small. And the biggest problem I see with, you know, do-it-yourselfers, as I call them, because that's a whole species of people, the do-it-yourselfer, and there is nothing wrong with it, let me tell you. Not a thing wrong with do-it-yourself. However, do-it-yourselfers, without the proper training and education, can become do-it-yourself disasters and you don't need that sort of thing so how you start should be small the old saying you need to learn how to walk before you can fly it's absolutely true especially when it comes to this so like a couple of times a year i do relatively small seminars and when i say small it's because you'll see some people do seminars for a hundred people okay and that's great they can do it they got assistants i guess who are helping them do that. And you really don't see too many of these seminars in the first place to deal with, you know, like there's general coaching seminars and there's tuning, you know, but there's not really hands-on stuff. So when I teach a seminar, generally, if it's about working on bows, I limit it to about 15 to 20 people. I have two two of my kids there assisting us and they're fully trained, like I said, all my students are fully trained to do what I do and they can help out. And they'll be there and um they like say we limit it to 15 to 20 people and we start with the basics so i have a very small group to begin with and then i'm there showing each and every person how to start with things like how to tie a knot what knot goes for what um that's the way you have to do it if you want to learn so when someone says to me well where do i get started and the first thing they tell me is cuz i'm going to go and i'm going to buy a press great. You can go buy that Lancaster, you know, a Lancaster and pick up a, a brand new bow press, spend 800 a $1,000 on it. Doesn't mean you're going to know how to use it. And actually that's the last thing I want you to learn how to do. Start learning how to tie things, how to tie knots. Start learning your general mechanics of what you're doing. So a lot of people say, well, what's mechanics got to do with anything? Mechanics has everything to do with everything. So if you don't know that the, how to identify which direction a string is twisted, you've already got problems. So we start with the base, which is teaching people, this is how you tell which direction a string is twisted. Why is that important? Because all your knots that you tie had better be going on that same direction. Okay? In particular, when you're tying center serving, go the wrong direction, it's going to inch and it's going to move so we teach them how to do that then we teach them how to do your basic knots you know you'd be surprised the number of people who don't know how to back serve something and back serving is probably the most misunderstood technique that you'll see on on youtube because the angles that they show are horrible so when you're learning how to back serve you know, people miss certain things. Certain things in the direction just where the crossover is. But what people don't know is, when I'm teaching a class, you ha- you're you having a problem learning how to back serve. Okay. I teach three different ways to accomplish the same thing. The same look, the same finish. But, it's very simple. So some people can't get, you know, how to reverse it and how to untwist it to create the, the back of the back serve. I'm like, Okay. So if you don't know how to do that, here, put put your thread there. Put this piece of serving in between with a loop. Wrap it over when it gets to the other end. Loop it through the the loop and pull it. And you get a clean looking serving as well. And they're like, really? I'm like, really? When you want to do a center serving, you have got to know how how to do back serving. But for people who are just serving peeps, that sort of thing, it's real easy. So I break it down for them. And you have to start small. Like I said, learn how to serve, first of all. You learn how to serve. You learn your mechanics of how a string's supposed to go. Then you're going to learn, you know, when you're setting up a bow, how to document stuff. Before you work on your bow, okay, especially if you're in the tuning sort of part of this, you need to document everything you got. Document the axle-to-axle. Document the, the draw weight of the bow, Okay. Some people don't know what the draw weight of their bow is. They've never checked it. They go into a bow shop and they take someone's word for it, whatever. I'm like, okay. Did you see him do it? Yeah. Or is he just guessing? Whatever. I'm not saying anyone's going to give you the wrong information, but your bow weight can change. If your strings stretch, bow weight goes down. Bad things happen. So that's why I teach them. You're going to get a scale. So if you're serious in tuning, get yourself a scale. They're not that expensive you can get them a reliable one and when I say reliable I mean safe for about I don't know $40, $50 you can get them on Amazon at Lancaster there's all different variations and there are some that you should avoid like trying to use a luggage scale for it because it won't show your percentage of let off and you don't know how accurate it is and then I tell people like sometimes you should really compare what you're getting on one versus another and you'll find that some, on the, some of the cheaper stuff it doesn't add up but I digress you're going and you're going to set all you're going to note down all of your specs axle to axle brace height draw weight position of the, of the uh of the peep you're gonna you're gonna document where your serving knots are okay all of that is extremely important especially if you're changing strings because you want to return it back to the way it was And a lot of times you'll find out if you have a problem that it's just in the axle-to-axle. Something has changed. And some people, you know, they say, well, you should mark the cam where it crosses the limb, um, and that'll tell you if it goes out of tune. Mm, That's a yes and no. Why do I not suggest you do that? Because depending on the strings, when you change them from, you know, from one to the other, they may be made of different materials, act completely different, in which case that tuning means absolutely nothing. So don't mark your cams like that. This is what I'm talking about. It's the basic stuff that doesn't even have to do with putting a hand on that boat. Now you gotta just know how to measure stuff. So it's the ground groundwork for learning the education. I mean, you don't you I I liken it, although it's not, you know, the same thing. I do liken it to this. You don't tell somebody, well, you want to go work on rockets? Here, read from this book, watch a YouTube video, and you're good to run mission control. It doesn't work that way. Much, you know, lower scale of this, but still considered the same thing. Now, that's just setting up a boat, changing a PEEP, basics. You know, serving, basics. How do you do that? How to measure where the PEEP is. Some people... Don't get that if you're shooting a 40 inch axle to axle bow, like a target bow, and that you shoot a 31 inch bow. So you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to put my peep five and a half inches up on my 40. Fine. And I'm going to do the same thing on my 30. For, first of all, on a 31 inch bow or a 28, like the new really short stuff is, you don't have the five and a half inches because you'd be up near the serving of the cam. So, but. You can put your peep exactly in the same place if you measure it properly and measuring the distance from the center of the peep down to the center of the arrow at full draw. And that'll get you right there. And that will never change. Otherwise, they're setting up stuff and they're like, I can't get the peep to feel right. I can't get the peep to feel. This doesn't look right because they don't know the basics of how it's done when it comes to that sort of thing. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with it, but this is why you have to take the time to get some real training, okay? One thing that we're going to do with the Facebook group that we have is I'm going to start doing what they call a watch party. And I'm not really good with the whole Facebook thing. You know, I'm no wizard when it comes to that sort of stuff. But I have figured out how to do a watch party party on there. And whoever wants to learn, like, well, this week we're going to teach how to serve. And if you want to see how to serve, you can do it on there. People can ask their questions. I can't get a good good view. Okay, fine. Then we'll move the camera so they can see where it is. That's the whole thing, that when you're doing something live, even if it's a remote teaching that you're doing, you know, you can dial it back. Say, oh, I want to see this angle. I want to see that angle. Can you do that in a YouTube video? No, you can't. So that's important. That's why I'm saying either some kind of interactive thing is great. The other thing I've seen come out is somebody came out with the, um, the bow. I forget what they call it, I've seen it on Facebook a couple times, it's like the Bow Bible or something like that. All great, lots of information in there, like the base information. In the wrong person's hands it's going to wind up in disaster because they don't have the basic knowledge to do what they're doing and now they're trying to do advanced techniques with it and it just goes south really, really fast. So, learn the basics first try to get try to learn in person learn from someone who knows what they're doing you know firsthand that's where you have to establish your base so you can work on your own stuff most importantly you don't go to the more advanced stuff without proper training and i will tell you right now when it comes to training with bow presses videos don't help you every bow is different where they go is different why you can you have to use certain certain bows with an adapter on particular presses. And the manufacturers tell you that. Matter of fact, if you go and look at PSE, on their website, it'll tell you, these are the approved presses you can use for our bows. Sometimes, how you work on those bows is very different on every press. But they say, if it's not worked on one of these presses, you'll void your warranty. Hoyt does the same thing. It's because if it's done improperly or on, on improper equipment, you can damage your equipment or even worse, you can hurt yourself back in the eighties and the early nineties, the style of bows we had were completely different. Then we started to get into parallel limb bows where you have to compress the limb tips. Back in the early days, they used to just trap the limbs and pull down the riser to make the compression. Well, if you did that on most risers today, you bend them. So you don't want to do that. Also, if a bow is past parallel, well, you'll see it's like a really, really serious hook on, on the limbs when they curve back at you. It's very easy for one of those to slip out of a press. And if it slips out of a press when it, when it, while you're working on it, you can get really, really seriously hurt. Not to mention the bow can get destroyed, especially if you have a cam out or something like that. So there's different ways to work on stuff that all require training. Now psc is one of the few places okay i don't think actually anybody else does it when it comes to manufacturers that someone can can uh can arrange without being a dealer we have a separate course just for dealers but someone can can arrange to take a bow tuning course a bow mechanics course base stuff and learn how to restring their bow how to tie servings properly when to wax when not to wax um they also have shooter schools, exactly the same thing. You don't have to be one of, one of their staff shooters. You're going to take that. Those courses, they're each a day long and they're taught by Alexander Kirilov. He should still be teaching them, as a matter of fact. Last time I checked the website, he was still doing it. He's been doing it for years. And it's one of the few opportunities that someone, a regular shooter, and the thing is, in case you're thinking it, no, you don't have to be shooting PSC equipment. They don't care what you shoot. Bows are all pretty much the same. They all have cables. They all have strings. They'll show you how to, do, how to work on all of them or how to shoot all of them. Not, you know, high detail stuff, but he gives you the basics in there. And in one day, you'll go from zero to hero because you'll know how to work on most stuff. He, he explains timing, the importance of timing, how you change it. A lot of people say, well, the cams are out of time. Okay, great. Do you know how to change that? Do you know which cable you have to twist on which cam? If a cam's out of time, if it's advanced, or to retard the timing. Those are the sort of things you need to learn. So the last thing I would tell people is never buy a press if you don't have training on how to do it or someone can't show you how to use it. So I have a couple of customers that have bought their own presses. And for tying things like peeps, that sort of thing, you can learn the basics on how to do that, how to compress the limb, slacken the string, put in the peep, that sort of thing. And again, here's a little twist for you, Literally. Um, a lot of people don't know that if you put in a, a peep and you don't put it in the right way, or if you slide a peep along the string, I don't care, whatever you do, that sucker is going to twist on you at full draw. And you can say, well, move a couple of strands to the other side. You're not going to help. You got to know how to put it in there properly. I won't get into the technique of what's done with that. I'll do that on another podcast. But I will tell you that if you just into the sliding the peep up and down, not only can you damage the fibers on the string... It's going to twist. And a lot of people, like I said, again, they blame the manufacturer, the string manufacturer, for it. It has nothing to do with them. Poor technique will result in poor performance. So that's a big deal. You know, but again, they have presses, and they can do the basic stuff. But let's just say when it comes to, oh, I got to replace the limbs on my bow. Bow's on the warranty. I do it. That's what we do. If they want to learn how I do it, sure. While, I, you know, one thing I, I have a rule with stuff is that for the most part, I don't work on customer bows when it's major stuff like limb swaps, cam cam swaps, major timing adjustments, string changes. I don't do it while the customer waits. It's irresponsible to do. Plus, there's a lot of different things that I got to do, like the documentation, that sort of thing. Um, I don't do it while they wait. But if you tell me, listen, I need to get this done. I have my own press at home. But I really want to see how you do it. I'm like, sure, knock it out. No problem at all. Um, Here's what I'm going to do it. If you can arrange to be down here. Yeah, I don't care if if you're here with me the whole time. I'll show you how I do this. So you can get... I would rather have that person... Sit there watching everything that I do so they can understand what I'm doing. As long as they do it within the time frame that I'm available to do it. And some people will tell you like, well, especially shop guys are going to say, I don't want them learning how to do this. I'm going to lose the business. They'll never come back to me again. There are good and bad with everything. In my opinion, if you teach someone how to do something the right way, if they were coming to you anyway, they'll come to you for more things even though they are learning to handle stuff on their own, they're always gonna know that when they can't figure something out or they need something done or they they can't take a chance with something, they're gonna come back to you. So it it does pay things forward. It will work for you. Again, it's my philosophy on how things work, but it's how I do it. So hands-on learning how to do something like that, like a string change or a cam change, it's very important. Learning it off a video never works. People leave things out. The date, you know, for an expert, there's certain things that when we're doing a video or something like that. And I have done videos in the past on things. And this is why I don't have them up anymore and why we're making all new ones now as soon as the shop is finished. Because we're making our own like little YouTube studio and stuff over that like that over here. Um, there's certain things that we take for granted that we think everyone knows. Like, okay, you're going to take the cams out of a bow? How about checking to see what shims are in what order on which side and putting everything back together the same way? Documentation, 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 that sort of thing. And when, they, when they're changing cams, you, you, like they'll cut away and they'll see, okay, taking this old cam out, putting it back, completely leave out that they took shims out, how they got the axle out. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me with the most recent generations of Matthews bows. And when I tell them, okay, string change, yeah, we got to take the cams off. And they're like, what do you mean take the cams off? I'm like, yeah, dude, this one you take the cam off to get the cables off. To get those harnesses off, you have to take off the cams. And they don't get it. Because they haven't been exposed to this sort of thing. Now let's just say one of those people gets their own thing and tries to do it. Bad stuff can happen. They, you know, they take the bow apart like, oh my God, what do I do now? Well, guess what? If the press wasn't set correctly, they may not be able to open up the press all the way to fully relax the bow. Well, now your bow is stuck in the press and you can't open it up all the way to relax it and take it off there. So you can bring it to me relaxed and now I can put it back in my press and and fix it for you because you don't know what to do. Like they panic and I've gotten more than one call like that. We don't like to see that sort of thing happen. Um, again, it's one of those things that, uh, that happens. And I, I don't, I don't need people to experience that because once you experience something bad, some people get very discouraged and I don't want to see that happen. But if you learn properly, you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. You know, so you're learning to work on your equipment. Just you're learning mechanics, how to change parts, how to do things. Tuning is an art by itself, but it's not something that's voodoo. You can learn how to do it. There are basic techniques to it. When I do a tuning seminar, it is with the assumption, and I ask people, that they already know how to work on their bows, how to change stuff. Because the last thing I want to do is, well, here, when when you're putting in this knocking set, serve it at this height, and then say, well, what do you mean? Serve it. They don't know how to serve. Because it's like, you're sacrificing the entire length of the class because one person doesn't know how to do it. That's why I asked him, I said, if you're going to take a tuning class, I just need to know that you have the basics. If not, then we're going to have to work with you on the basics first before you do this so you don't slow everybody else down. But yeah, it's not voodoo. It's science. Yes, kind of a science. Some people call it voodoo. Oh, well, this guy gets his bow to tune no matter what. Like, no, he just knows the basics of how this works. He knows dynamics of how an arrow is supposed to work and every bow is different, just like any mechanic will tell you when they're working on a car, you can have 25 of the same model roll off the same assembly line line of GM, but for one reason or another, one has this issue, the other one never has it. Um, To fix this on this one, you have to do this. So it's more of an art that they're learning. So while it is science, it's also, you know, you learn different things that happen. So basically, that—that's what this is all about. You have to learn. To me, the—the—the the, the biggest thing is. And this happened when I was down at the range this weekend, and I met these these two younger guys who were there, and they're like, they, you know, they figured out who I was, because as they're walking out, and then they start talking to me. And a lot of people think that you know, if you approach someone who knows what they're doing, like you're kind of bothering them. And even when I shoot at tournaments, you know, because I shoot pro division, these people come up to me and they're like, uh, "Could you help me with this?" I'm like, sure, it's what we're here to do. Some people may have gotten a bad reaction as somebody else. You don't do it when they're on the line shooting, but if they're just walking around, chances are they can they can help you out. Well, same thing with me. I'm 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 over there, and like some people, sometimes they don't know how to approach you or something. I'm like, just tell me. And these two were very young guys. They're like fascinated by the stuff I'm telling them. I'm I'm like, well, if you want to learn how to do this, sure, when I'm down here on the weekend, I'll show you how to do everything. And it was just like the fascination on their faces. Like, they just wanted to learn more and more. And people like that are sponges. They want to absorb everything as much as they can. And that's a really good thing. It's like that spark that you're looking for. Because a lot of people, especially people in this industry who work in bow shops, they're very protective of what they do. Not because... They, you know, like it's a secret, but they're afraid that if they teach anybody how to do something, they're going to lose business and that they're going to water down their value. And that's just not right. It's not true. People are always going to need you. If you do really good work, people are always going to come back to you. And if you do really bad work, they're never going to come back to you anyway. So a lot of them live in the principle. And I've said this before, one and done. They don't care if they ever see you. They overcharge you. It doesn't work. You know, you're never going to come back, but at least they got you the one time. I, like I said, I'm completely the reverse of that. I want people to learn. Because in the bottom line, and I, you know, it's not just because I'm of an advanced age that, that I think like this, but the fact is, once we have to be able to pass this on to the next generation, that's why I start with the youngest kids that I work with. By the time they're 18, 19, these kids are wizards behind their bow. And I also teach them, not only do you do this for yourself, if someone asks you and they need help, you help them. That's why I'm teaching you to do this. I don't charge them to learn how to do this. It's part of my job as a coach to teach them how to do this. And not all coaches will agree with that. Because not all coaches can work on both. Fact. But we need to preserve the line. We need to keep it going. Otherwise, what's going to happen is some people are going to keep doing this keep it all to themselves in an area where there's, you know, the nearest shop is 80 or 100 miles away and something happens, that shop closes or you know, in a worse circumstance, that person passes away without ever have having trained other people to do this, then what happens then? You know, is, is the technique that they use lost? You know, if it was a really good technique, it might be lost, never been passed on to somebody. You know, I've taken on apprentices before and and taught him my stuff, and that's how it's done. But again, you could pass it on just through helping a friend to do it, but teach them the right way. You know, if, if I'm, God forbid, not here tomorrow, I can tell you right now that my girls all know how to do the same exact stuff I do from the very simple to the very complex. And I have the confidence in knowing that when it comes to them, they will continue to pass it on. My girls... Teach other younger girls that you know as they come into the program they'll learn how to do it and that's the way it should always be so i know there's been a pretty long-winded of a podcast uh didn't mean to go down so many different little rabbit holes with it but it's kind of important that we get this out there so in the coming months provided this whole COVID 19 thing goes away we'll be having tuning seminars we'll be having basic bow mechanics seminars that i teach people um a lot of it'll be free some of the stuff that we do when it's a one-on-one or the you know the small groups then we have small fees that we charge for that sort of thing and it's it's not expensive by any means um and of course if you catch me down at willowbrook park when i'm down there don't hesitate to come over and say hi how do i do this i will always make the time and the joke i made to somebody this weekend was i bring my bow down there i set it up I hang it on the rack, got my target out there. I may never get to shoot a shot. This weekend was a perfect example. Helping everybody. It took me 20 minutes to get get my bow down there, my target, everything on the field. I shot one whole arrow. That was it. Am I upset about that? No way. I am not. Actually, I prefer to be helping people than to see someone doing the wrong thing or, or stuck out there. You know... There's a lot of people I'll see doing the wrong thing out there. Some of them you can approach, some of them you can't. They're like, oh, you don't, I don't want any help from you. Like, okay. But at least I tried. And that's what everyone should do. Everyone should at least try to help somebody else. Because if we don't do that sort of thing in this world, who knows where we're going to wind up being? It's going to get really, really bad if it isn't already there. So everyone should do their own little part. So, like I said, seminars are coming more information will be posted on our website www.highpowerarchery.com um stuff on the facebook group if you're in staten island you can always look to join staten island archers association and um you apply to join the group if you're let in uh you're an archer and you shoot out here no problem and like i said that group's going to have a lot of good information in it tips of the week um we'll do a live cast on there do a couple different things uh some of the podcasts going forward will be a people on there who want to come on live onto the podcast and ask their questions because I can record it on Zoom and we'll do it live right on there it's a listener call-in show you know my podcasts are all about getting information out there there's some entertainment when I go off on, on a tangent and like I, there's certain subjects to get me started up and if I have more than one person on the podcast you'll see how that goes down a rabbit hole but um, you know that's that's part of it but we're mostly an informational podcast if you want to listen to something really funny then you know there's a couple of guys called the wobbly arrow podcast listen to them They are they started out as a very basic archery podcast they are anything but these days and some of the most entertaining laughs that i can recommend but you know they're not a pg rated thing so this podcast i don't know who's listening to it I gear it so that if one of my kids, students, is listening to it, it's cool for them. It's a safe place, let's just put it like that. And anyone who wants to come on here, it's not not too dumbed down. It's got all the information you need. And again, if you want to hear about something, then drop us a line on the website. Leave a message or email us at highpowerarchery.com and we'll cover that subject for you. If you get into the Facebook group, ask a question in the group. And if someone doesn't answer it, you know what I mean, you can ask it directly to me and I will answer it there, and I'll cover the topic if you want. So there's a lot more to come. As always, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, You know how to contact us. And I guess for now, that's all there really is. And until the next time we meet, stay safe and shoot straight, and have a great day.